exclusive podcast from Impact 89 FM. We can tonight, 432-3893. Pavel's sitting across from me. I'm Scott, of course, back with you. Now, Pavel, I told you before, I gave you a little heads up. We're going to kind of kind of argue over a couple things. We're just trying to generate some phone calls, generate We're some gonna interest We're going to have a record night here. for phone calls. That's, I, I that's the goal. That's the goal. But we'll see. We're, we're trying to sh- just shake things up, make things fun, keep it interesting here. Now, there's some interesting things that have happened, some interesting stories that we can talk about. But first, Pavel, I'm going to get right to you. How was your weekend? It was great. I just got back from Columbus around midnight last night. Uh, it was a great game to watch, at least the second half of the Michigan State-Ohio State game. What a big win answer after that You know, bump in the road against Northwestern. I really felt like we had to you know, get a big road win to cancel out this embarrassing Northwestern loss. So, And we did that, and, you know, now we got to go to Iowa and take care of business. And we'll get to Michigan State men's basketball a little bit later. Now, for those of you who listen regularly, you probably know that Pavel watches a lot more Big Ten basketball than I do. <laughs> and I was amazed. We we text each other back and forth. We always talk about the games. He's usually telling me what's happening in the games I'm not watching. Or like two so, girls texting so back and forth. <laughs> yeah. Or two fans. We're giving updates on the game, just explaining, trying to talk about what's happening. I can't remember. What game was it? There was some game. It was a good matchup, and I was, was actually Purdue. watching it. Purdue and Minnesota. Okay. I think it was Purdue at Minnesota. And I was watching it, and I was I sent a, just a little text to Pavel to just say how I was watching it, trying trying to prove that I still am a fan. And what was the reason? You, you weren't actually watching that game. What's the reason you gave? I, I saw the first half. Okay, the first half. I was on a date. Okay. <laughs> now, so I figured, I figured I'll get Pavel in here, try to, try to pry some information out of him. We talked just five minutes before we came on here, and you actually explained that that was one of three dates you had this uh, three weekend. Three consecutive nights, yeah. Wow, that's uh, that's pretty good. Same girl? Yeah. Okay. No, no. Yeah, it is. <laughs> all right, all right. Work with me here. How? What's what's going on? First date? First date went well. Went out uh, to this uh, restaurant, Bar and Grill, okay. in, in downtown Lansing. Played a little water pong. Oh, we were okay. partners. That, it, it was great. That worked. I loved it. So, so is this the we first? We actually won two games. Impressive. We made it to the semifinals. Is this the first date you've been on with this young lady? Bonding time, yeah. Okay. Now, and also the other reason I want to bring this up, because I wasn't, you said you didn't want to talk about it, and you know, I was going to respect that. But then you told me you're going to miss the show next week. You're not going to be here Monday. And why is that? You know, there's a big game going on at Joe Louis Arena next week, next Monday. You know, the St. Louis Blues at the Detroit Red Wings, and, you know, I'm a big St. Louis Blues fan, and I try not to miss one when they're in town, when they're in Michigan playing the Red Wings. So I can respect that. So I'm going to take her, and we're going to go see the Blues hopefully take it to the Red Wings. Well, we differ on that in that regards. But, and so, I'm sure I'll be... You know, against the entire stadium, like I was last time when I saw the Blues at Red Wings. They are one of the more hated teams in Detroit, St. Louis. <laughs> I will admit that was one of the first pennants I ever had was the St. Louis Blues pennant. I don't can't remember why. I think all the uh, Red Wings ones were sold out, so my sister bought me one of those instead. A little. You know, my mom bought me a pennant for the Michigan Wolverines. Wow. Yeah. Wow. A little bit off. But... All the way in St. Louis too. Yep. That's impressive. 
So is she a sports fan? <laughs> I, I know nothing about this girl. Yeah, I, she, I haven't even gotten uh, a name for all these people. The thing that sticks out is she loves to watch hockey, so that's why there we're going go. to the game. There you go. You can't. I can't ask for anything more. I can, but she's a hockey fan. <laughs> we'll move on. We'll move on from there. Good to hear that things are going well for you. There. You need water there? there you, you need a little water? I, we're not allowed to have water in here. I, I'd spill it all over the board and the computer. It's fine. I'm good. We'll move on. Get, get to the sports action for those people who are dying, dying to know what's going on. Of course, we talked about men's basketball. We'll get to that shortly. The Spartans hit a little bump in the road, lost their home win streak. It was at 28. We lost Northwestern, who was their second win in the Big Ten. But, you know, they played well. They didn't miss a shot. We'll get more into that. First, there's this story. I'm sure there's probably people out there who have heard about this, but there's some new developments coming out. There's a varsity girls basketball game, high school varsity girls basketball game, down in Dallas, Texas. And it was the Covenant School of Dallas, a private Christian school, beat Dallas Academy 100-0. to zero. They shut them out and scored 100 points. Now, it was the first time this school had scored 100. Or they, were, they were trying to get to 100, but they shut them out. They were up 59-0 to zero at halftime. They were still shooting and making threes throughout the fourth quarter. And their fans and an assistant coach, they were cheering, like standing up, yelling, cheering for the team, encouraging them to keep going. They were up 59-0 to at halftime and never backed off. There's And there's no mercy rule where they're at, no running clock or anything like that. It's just kind of what one of the uh, league executives said was the golden rule. Where I mean, I... It's ridiculous. So unsportsmanlike in my mind to run up the score 100 to 0 on a team. And the worst part is this team, Dallas Academy, they specialize, they, they claim to specialize. It's a private school also. They specialize in small class sizes. They have only 20 girls in their entire school and eight girls on their varsity team. In this school, along with the small classes and the specialized attention, they also specialize in those with learning struggles, like learning difficulties with either ADD or dyslexia or something of that nature. And I mean, it was a league game because it's the private league, so it's more, not necessarily your public school leagues are more evenly matched, but they are two private schools. But the school's website offered this after the game. I quote them, It is shameful and an embarrassment that this happened. This clearly does not reflect a Christ-like and honorable approach to competition. End quote. I think that, that sums it up pretty well in my mind, that this is a Christian school and they're still running it up that much. And the crazy thing is not much was happening. It gained national attention last week. It was all over ESPN, the radio, and lots of websites and things like that. Nothing had really happened. But then today we come to find out the head coach, Micah Grimes, he got fired today. And not people aren't sure if it's because they ran up the score so much, but it probably is because he sent an it's email. because of what he said. Exactly. Now, you figure <clears throat> a coach would probably come out and make an official apology about the game, much like the school did. Came out and apologized, and if he does that, it'll be, I mean, he won't be forgiven in all likelihood, but it won't be nearly as bad if he says, you know, I'm sorry, 
I didn't mean to run up the score that much. We were just caught, caught up in the heat of it. We were trying to get 100. Something like that. It's still hard to apologize out of that. But instead of apologizing, Grimes, the head coach of this team, he sent an email to the Dallas Morning News basically saying he refused to apologize and he didn't feel the same way that the school did. And this is quoted from him. In response to the statement posted on the Covenant School website, I do not agree with the apology or the notion that the Covenant School girls basketball team should feel embarrassed or ashamed. We played the game as it was meant to be played. My values and my beliefs would not allow me to run up the score on any opponent, and it will not allow me to apologize for a wide-margin victory when my girls played with honor and integrity, end quote. I don't think he should have been fired. I think the school, out of respect, the school, the winning school, out of respect, I guess, uh, apologized, sent an apology. But I just think that, you know, would it, the game would be different if they would have hang, hung back, you know, let the shot clock go a little bit. Oh, there's no, there's shot, no shot clock, clock in clock. high school. But, you know, maybe it took, took some time off. Um, what, they should have just thrown the ball away? I mean, if... They have shots. Eventually, they have to shoot it up. They're not just going to hold the ball. Uh, would it have been any different if the score was 90-15? to 15? It would still be a blowout. And I think that, you know, I don't have, I don't know exactly what happened. None of us saw the game. You know, there's no box score. But unless this coach during the game actually intentionally ran up the score, unless, you know, he didn't take his starters out, uh, maybe if he, you know, had a full-court press the entire game, and maybe if he was... You know, running set plays to get three pointers. That I would fire him for that. But if he wasn't doing any of those three things, then w why should he get fired? And why shouldn't he, you know, support that win, even if it was, you know, played the way it should be played? See, this is this is where we differ. We're talking about this. We're trying to figure out where each of us stood on this. <clears throat> and I think the school did the right thing, not because of how the game turned out. One hundred to zero. I mean, that's fine. It's a good. It's a huge win, obviously, but, and I agree, you don't, it's not running up the score. I like to use this in football. It's not running up the score when you can't tackle somebody. Like if they're just running up the middle and you can't tackle them, they're trying to run out the clock. They just can't. And so if they are making the shots, like say they hold the ball for 30 seconds and make a shot, okay, you can't stop that. But if they're trying, like, running fast breaks and still trying running plays, things like that, then there is something wrong. I don't know but if that's the case. we don't know if any of that happened. Right. We don't know if that's the case. The thing is his attitude about this whole thing. That's where I understand what the school, where the school comes from. I mean, it's a Christian academy. The school even said it's not very Christ-like. I mean, I'm not religious. I'm not Christian. I don't know what the beliefs are in for sports and things like that, but... It's not very sporting. And to say that his girls played with honor and integrity and it just happened to be a wide margin victory that he's never coaching to run up the score, that's just ridiculous. I mean, they argued, ahead, they argued on ESPN earlier today. Um, I think they looked into the, both of these schools, and I think it was the league's fault or the d district's fault because these two teams should have never even played each other because it was obviously, you know, a mismatch. It was the best team in the in the state. It's one team that, you know, has the advantage of choosing the right girls, the best girls for their team, and one that's barely lucky to get a full roster. Right. I mean, much they, rather a good basketball team. They could 
use all 20 girls and yeah. not have anyone who knows what basketball so is. So that's why maybe it was 100 to 0. And you know what? If you, For a girls' basketball team to not score any points in, what, 32 minutes? I mean, obviously you do not belong on the same court. Right. So they should not have even been playing each other. I'll, I'll agree with you on that. I'll, I definitely feel the same way. I just the way the coach handled it, uh, it blows my mind that he would be that kind of ignorant. I would say to to think that what he was doing was correct, the right thing to do. Now, once again, we're trying to get calls throughout the night. Here, what people have to say: the number here is four three two three eight nine three five one seven is the area code. So three five one seven four three two three eighty nine three, or you can IM me. I've got up the aim. I am Impact Sports Rap is my screen name. I've got it popped up here in front of me if you want to get a hold of me that way. Go ahead, Pablo. I, I, I do agree with you on the fact that he shouldn't have opened his mouth and said this. You know, no matter if he agreed or disagreed with whether the school apologized or not, you know, this is something that you leave just a joke with your buddies about. You don't, like, make a public statement about this that gets on ESPN and gets you fired, gets right. on national news. So the way he handled it, obviously is what got him fired and it's just not you know what a coach of a you know high popularity you know private school would be like so right it's just the kind of immaturity also i think the yeah. coach had to to not really own up to it and just think that he's doing everything right it, i mean I can see where the school's coming from with that and just the fact that it did put them in the national spotlight for the wrong thing. You would like it if they're winning state championships, if they're just winning big. Say they win 75-25. Still a big win, but it doesn't get near the, the reaction. And, I mean, not that they can alter the score or do, like, give them layups and things like that. I don't agree with that. But there's ways that you can just kind of ease off the gas a little bit once you're up 59-0, 70-0. I mean, you know you're going to win... It's obvious they were trying to get to 100, in my mind. I mean, it reminds me of uh, earlier this year when Ohio State basketball played Houston Baptist. 1-15 Houston Baptist. I mean, they shouldn't have even played that game. I mean, they won by like 40 points, but at least Houston Baptist was able to score like 45 points. Right. So, you know, they're worthy of a, at least a Division One ranking, at least. You know, they scored 45 points still. But, you know, like I said before, this team shouldn't have even been on the same court. Maybe a freshman or JV level squad. There. Maybe it's sad, sad to see. Hopefully that team is able to still do well without their coach. Who knows how they'll end up through the season? Hopefully that doesn't ruin that for them. They seem to be a pretty good team. They scored 100 points in a game. Now I just wanted to make one more point. Uh, this is a high school coach. This is a, you know a really respected private school. I think on the bigger reason, the way he showed his immaturity. You know, a high school coach is supposed to teach these young girls, teach the young players, and if he's that immature about some, handling something like this, then do they really want a, this kind of guy, you know, teaching these girls and, you know, teaching them maybe going on to the next level? Fantastic point. Fantastic point there. We'll, we'll move on after that. 
Now, an interesting piece. I figured it was going to happen eventually. We'll move on just to some college football news here. There's not, not much happening, obviously. You've got Senior Bowl, the East-West All-Star Game, in which Brian Hoyer was playing. Went three for four for, I think, the senior bowl. 60 yards. No, he was in the East-West All-Star East West. Game. Yeah, the one's the Senior Bowl. The, I mean, there's both the essentially Senior Bowls. No, Ringer didn't play in either one of them. I didn't see his name in the box score. I don't know why. I I did not see that. I figure maybe he just declined an invitation, or I'm not sure. But I didn't see Sean Green in there either. Granted, he's not a senior, so I'm not sure that. I think there's one more game coming up. I'm not positive on that, but maybe he'll be playing in that. But anyways, they'll be working towards the combine here coming up. But one thing, talking about the BCS... Now, Utah obviously was undefeated throughout the season, the only team in the nation to do it, and they ended up third, I do believe, in the BCS, second in the AP poll, or switch them around, I'm not sure, I can't remember, it's been a few weeks now. They're undefeated. Now, there are a few other good teams in the Mountain West, the conference that Utah's in. They had TCU, who was ranked in the top 15, along with BYU, who I think finished 16th in the nation, in the polls. The Mountain West is seeking to become an automatic BCS Bowl League. So the league champion gets an automatic BCS Bowl bid, much like the Big Ten, SEC, ACC, like that. Now, the thing is, yeah, they had three teams that were ranked very high. I mean, the Big Ten had three teams ranked. Now it's, I mean, kind of comparable there with the way that we were ranked. But the only problem I have there is, they also have Air Force, Colorado State, UNLV, New Mexico, Wyoming, and San Diego. So you're against it? I am against it. I think they need to add Boise State. If they add Boise State to that league, then definitely they're BCS, a BCS team. Now, you, you said the year for it. Why, why I, I'm that? for it because I think you would see the its effects not right away, not for the first year or two, but I think it would have major impact on recruiting because there's a lot of players that have considered going to the to Mountain West teams, but because the top team would not go to a BCS, would not be guaranteed a BCS, they wouldn't even you know want to go there. But it, it, it would bring in bigger recruits to these schools. And you know what? If you really think about it, they had three teams in the top 15, 16. The Big Ten didn't have that. Right. You know, the Big Ten, every year, there's usually three teams that set, set themselves apart from the rest of the conference. So why not the Mountain West? Because eventually they're going to hold their own, and some of these teams are actually going to be more competitive. The whole conference is going to get more competitive because they're playing for a lot more. They're playing for that BCS bowl bid. So they're going to play for a lot more. It's raising the stakes. But what happens, say, say some of these teams, the Utah or TCU, BYU, they have an off year, and I don't know where Wyoming wins. And, I mean, Wyoming could get good, get recruits. That's yet another BCS game, a BCS team that's automatically in, just like the Big East and the ACC, how both those teams, nobody really wanted to watch them play. I'm just worried that that'll create another one of these, whereas the way it's set up, there's still opportunities for non-BCS teams to make it into BCS Bowls. It's more difficult. And you have to be perfect. Essentially. Essentially, and you, you have do to have to schedule non-conference, big non-conference games. And I can see the argument that they're making. I mean, the BCS Bulls pay out, I think, $17 million to each school. 
which would be in the Big Ten that's divided between every school. And I'm, I'm not sure, but I assume the Mountain West would be the same. So they would get a guaranteed $17 million for their conference, which for small schools like that is huge. Whereas right now a regular bowl like the Cotton Bowl or the Capital One or even a small one, the most you can get is about $5 million per school. So I can see where they're coming from. The argument that the BCS commissioner and all that has, they were included in the vote that made the system how it is, made the uh, automatic bids how it is, so they're kind of going against it now. But I think if they add Boise State to their division, I mean, I think Boise State's in the whack right now. If they add them, they're for sure a BCS team. I'm not sure the how they'd be able to How many add teams them. are in the Mountain West? Well, let me count here. 11? 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. Only 9. 9. What if you add another team like Boise State and then make two divisions of 5? Maybe. Or they could just keep it at 10. Yeah, you just keep they it. Could, yeah. I mean, I don't know. But then you're taking a team away from the WAC. I think the WAC only has 9 teams, so they may could only be. have 8. Can you really have a conference with 8 teams? I'm not sure. Uh, they can they can shuffle them around. It's been done in other conferences. The They're going to have to bring back and... Western Washington. <laughs> <laughs> not quite, not quite. But, I mean, I think that's what they'll have to do. They're they're very optimistic about it, but I don't. I don't see it happening this year, for sure. Especially with the fact that the last few years, a non-BCS team has made it in. So they, that argument doesn't really work for them right And now. they've won. Yes, they have. I mean, Utah had a great season. I but Wyoming makes the BCS Bowl and wins. How about that? Well, when that happens, then you come find me, and we'll talk about it then. <laughs> but I don't, I don't see the Mountain West becoming a BCS league anytime soon. When that happens, I'll be doing something better. I'll be, yeah. like, on a date. <laughs> At a hockey game with some girl. At a blues game. Yeah, hopefully they're losing. We'll, we'll, get, we'll get to hockey. We will talk about hockey. Really? I know, I know. There's... Things really? we're going to talk about. I mean, we're going to talk about NBA this week even a little bit. Not a ton. Let's not get carried away with Spartan I know. basketball then. I know. We can't get away, carried away with state basketball <laughs> because we're going to get to hockey and the NBA. Rarely happens. That's what happens when there's no NFL game this weekend and no college football nice. games. But some Major League Baseball news coming out here. The Tigers signed Brandon Lyon to a one-year deal for $4.25 million. Now, for those of you who don't know, Brandon Lyon is a relief pitcher. He's 29 years old, was pitching for the Arizona Diamondbacks. He was a closer for the first half of the season. He had a great first half, and then after the All-Star break, he had a few bad outings. He got taken out of the closer role. He became just another back-of-the-bullpen guy. But his ERA before the All-Star game was 2.43, which is great for a closer. And then after it, after the All-Star break was 8.46. Not that great. But, I mean, for a closer, you're pitching one inning. So you figure you give up one run. Say you give up a solo home run, your ERA for that outing is nine. I mean, because if you give up one run per inning, your ERA is nine. So your ERA gets inflated very quickly. Now, the problem, he signed with the Tigers. He turned down multi-year deals elsewhere because they wanted him to be a setup man. The other teams did. With the Tigers, he believes he has a shot at becoming our closer, which I agree on. I don't know. You don't follow the Tigers too much. You do uh, some. Actually, you'd be surprised how much Tiger stuff I know. Okay. Well, so do you think he'll become the closer? 
I, I don't see why not. I think they're really reluctant to put Zamaya or anybody Zemaya's else. Zamaya's out of the question. It's uh, basically between Fernando Rodney and Brandon Maya. <laughs> Knowing Detroit Tigers fans, I think they'd rather roll over in their grave before seeing Rodney being their closer. I don't think he's a very popular player with Tigers fans. At all. No. And I, you know, I've watched him for three years, and every time I see Fernando Rodney, he blows a game. He's Even got electric stuff. He, uh, yeah. He's got electric stuff. His fastball, <clears throat> Alan and I, the he was DJing beforehand. We talk sports every Monday when I come in. We just chat about everything that's going on, and we're talking Tigers. And we're talking about the signing, and we got to talking Fernando Rodney. And when he's on, he is unbelievable. I mean, he throws his fastball in mid-90s. And his changeup is one of the best changeups in the league. The problem is when he gets he shaken missing, too early. Exactly, exactly. That's exactly what I said. He's a head case. He gets hit hard once, or he starts missing his spots, and he's done. He he's useless after that. And I mean, he he just doesn't have the guts to be a closer. I think Allen used a different phrase for it, but essentially guts to be a closer. He doesn't have that mindset. The only thing is, I was looking at these numbers, and obviously Todd Jones was our closer for a while last year. I couldn't stand Todd Jones as our closer. He's a contact pitcher. <laughs> he he doesn't pitch for strikeouts. He pitches for the guys to make contact, and hopefully the fielders make a play on it. And he always puts somebody on base. Rarely does Todd Jones go one, two, three in an inning. He retired. I was thankful. I thought, now we'll go out and get, get a free agent closer we uh decided not to get in the bidding war for um k-rod K- carrie wood too. or or carrie wood who wanted 20 million mm-hmm. which the cleveland indians gave to him so apparently this guy brandon Lyon, was third on our list so we went home and got him i looked at the numbers here last year Lyon was 26 31 in save opportunities it's okay what was he again 21 20 26 31 so he blew five saves not not great, but not yeah, terrible. It's better than a lot of closers. Exactly. And he pitched in 59.1 innings. This is the bad thing. He gave up 75 hits. So he's giving up more than a hit and an inning. And only one inning each time. Exactly. And he gave up 31 earned runs, 7 home runs, which isn't too bad. 13 walks. Again, not terrible for 60 innings. And then 44 strikeouts, so less than a strikeout per inning. Closer, you want to be a little, right around a strikeout per inning if you can. Now, Todd Jones, I looked at his numbers. He pitched less innings, only 41. He gave up 50 hits, so they're almost even in their ratio of hits per inning. But Todd Jones gave up five home runs, walked 18, and only struck out 14. So we're giving getting a more accurate guy with better stuff who's able to strike out more hitters but still pitches. He gives up actually more hits per inning than Todd Jones did. So once again, it's going to be a little scary when the closer comes in for the Tigers. I mean, I would always hold my breath when Jonesy took the mound because, I mean, he's he's basically, I I wouldn't be surprised if he gave tons of fans heart attacks last year in the years past just because he, he never has an easy game, never has an easy outing. Yeah, the, the one thing I'd say is I think the Tigers are going to have a better year because they don't have any pressure on them this year. Last year they had, you know, that huge acquisition. Willis, Cabrera, Renneria, they had so much pressure on them, and everybody was c- 
talking about the best lineup in baseball. They're going to score a 1,000 runs. Yeah, score so many runs, and then look what happens. So no pressure on them this year. And, you know, that's how they got to the World Series, the year that they had absolutely no pressure because they were at the, in, the, in the basement of their division. So I think that's the way they like it, and that's the way Leland likes it. Hopefully. And we're still waiting to hear if Kenny Rogers <clears throat> is going to retire or if he's going to come back. Nobody really knows. What is he, Roger Clemens? <laughs> Not quite. They should have signed Andy Pettit. Well, Andy Pettit just got signed today yeah, I know. by the New York Yankees. The Yankees, I mean, they're just spending so much money it's ridiculous they offered pettit a one-year 10 million dollar deal paying 10 million dollars to an old guy like that to be like a fifth starter basically he's gonna be their fifth starter he will and this the deal that he signed is actually it's one year half worth 5.5 million dollars guaranteed he has a chance to earn 6.5 million dollars more if he's uh every like every five games, if he's in the rotation constantly. You know, if he makes like it, uh, 25 starts, 30 it's starts. Some, it's very incentive-based. Yeah. He does something. But, I mean, he went, I think, 15 and 15, 14 and 14 last year with about ERA of a little over four. Not great, but I think with the everything they added around in that Yankees team, they can get away with giving up five runs a game. Not not saying they will. I, I'm, going, I'm willing to say that that... This, that that excuse me that this Yankees team will score more runs will be a little bit better but still i like putting Andy Pettit in that lineup <coughs> rather than Jabba Chamberlain or in uh Kennedy or Phil Hughes the young guys that haven't proven themselves yet you know that he's going to be able to give you 20 starts i would think i mean he still has good stuff he's a solid lefty pitcher which you don't get too often but I still think that the Yankees are due for a couple injuries to these big guys. I think a couple of years ago, you remember, they signed um, Carl Pavano, uh, Jarrett Wright, and uh, another guy. I don't, I don't remember, but Wright and Pavano got injured, and then they were back to where they started from before them. So, exactly. And Pavano yeah, was still be, on contract last year. There's always going to be injuries, so you don't know which guy maybe it's sabathia i don't know guys who have never had injury problems go to the yankees and get hurt it is strange now speaking of the yankees <clears throat> it seems like everybody's coming out with their own books nowadays it's very frustrating it seems i mean the last five years there's all these people writing writing these books telling all these secret stories and coming out with these new developments trying Using all these ploys, marketing ploys, to sell their book. You had Jose Canseco years ago. Um, I mean, with the whole Mitchell report and everything that's still going on with that. Now it comes out, Joe Torre, the former manager for the New York Yankees, who we were just talking about, he's coming out with a book co-written by Tom Verducci. Uh, famous, he writes for Sports Illustrated. He's their baseball expert. It's called The Yankee Years, where he basically chronicles his time in New York and basically the main thing is it just rips apart the organization, and especially Alex Rodriguez. Claims that his teammates would refer to him as a fraud rather than A-Rod, and that he didn't care about the games. He, he acted like a, I think it's quoted somewhere, like a white housewife towards Derek Jeter. No clue what they're implying by that, but they said that he was just obsessed with Derek Jeter, and that 
his mind wasn't really in the game and just talks bad about the whole organization and everything, how Brian Cashman wouldn't stand up for him in meetings towards the end. And that I just what what's your take on writing these books? All um, these come out? <clears throat> First of all, if Tom Verducci said that this isn't an autobiography, this is written in third person. Right. So a lot of these, you know, White Housewife, I think that was Verducci's saying. Yes. I think he, he Tori didn't actually write it. Yeah, Tori did not write it. This is what Verducci got from Tori. Just a couple of buddies talking, and he wrote a book about you know the Yankee years. So a lot of it is a little over the top, and you know, and they said Joe Tory called Brian Cashman, the GM of the Yankees, and you know, said that you know you're we're gonna be friends for a long time. You're still one of my good friends. You know, just to make sure everything was still cool. He didn't call a ride or anything, but. You know, I think I think uh, I, I'm not going to look too much into it. I think Tom Verducci is writing this book to get, you know, to get sales out of it, to sell more copies, and that's why he went a little over the top with whatever Joe Torre said. And I think you agree with me there. Yes, I do. <laughs> People can't really see what I'm doing here, but I am showing how he's all about the money and things like that. You go over the top when you want the money. Exactly. And then another thing coming out, I, I warned you about this earlier in the day, told you to get ready. We're, I was hoping you would take a different stance on this than me. Another guy coming out with a book about steroids. We have Jay McGuire. Who, people, who's Jay McGuire? It's Mark McGuire's estranged brother. Doesn't even talk to the guy anymore. They haven't talked in years. Now, Jay is a former bodybuilder. And he claims that back in, I think, 1994, he gave his brother, Mark, steroids in HGH, essentially. Go figure, he's coming out with a book. It's a shot fame. It's a shame to shot, it's, it's his shot to be in a spotlight. And you know what? I believe everything he says. I'm sorry. I was hoping we could argue about this, Pavel. He was a cardinal. He broke the home run record as a cardinal. You're <laughs> supposed to love him. I, I had my hopes set so high that you would defend Mark McGuire, and I could you just. You know what? I, I do. I still. I want him to be in the Hall of Fame. I really. I still do. But the fact, the way he, you know, basically didn't answer the tough questions. You know, look at Jason Giambi. He admitted it. He went out and said, you know, I use steroids. He's still in the league. He's playing. And you know what? He's probably now steroid-free. And, he, you know, he, how many home runs did he hit last year? I think 40 home runs. 30, 40 home runs. No. He, no one in the American League had over 36. That's okay. What Burrow's at, yeah. But still, you know, Giambi's proven that he still has power. And I, it, it makes me wonder when... Mark McGuire's brother Jay became estranged when Mark McGuire sensed that this story thing was going to blow it blow up in his face, so he had to cut ties with his brother. You know, I can't talk to you anymore because of the things you did, and because they're going to you know do a background check and find out that my brother was a bodybuilder and used steroids, and that's they're going to just assume that he got me introduced into steroids. So I think that's how, in the first place, he became estranged. Now, you said you think you would like to see him in the Hall of Fame. I, on the other hand, I don't think he'll ever make it. He, his voting percentage went down this year. He lost votes in his third year. He's at, like, 21%. He, you need 75. In my mind, he tarnished the game. I, I am old-school baseball. I love old-school baseball. He didn't do it single-handedly, and I don't, I don't 
think that he did it on his own. I agree. There, there's a lot of people who did it. It was the juiced era. I mean, I know a lot of people were on something. He even admitted to being on Andro at the time it was over the counter. But in my mind, Mark McGuire, he's a liar. He's he's lied to juries, I, I feel. And he cheated, essentially. He used some performance-enhancing drug, and he cheated. Now, people, my roommate was asking me, we were talking about it, we're talking, what what do steroids do? How can they really help you? Because you, and I explained it, you already have to have the skill of being able to hit the ball. You have to have the hand-eye coordination. You have to be a good player already. The thing it does is it gives you more power. You can hit the ball 10% harder, 10% farther. So now those fly balls that are, are going to the warning track, those are now home runs. So there's just that aspect. And then you figure... Say you hit a ground ball up the middle, before steroids, second baseman can get to it. He has some time to get to it. You hit it the same way, you're hitting it 10% harder, 10% faster. It's harder for guys to make a play on it. And that's the thing where it it increases your batting average because you're still making the same contact. You're just hitting the ball harder two places. And, of course, there's the home runs. Now, if there's somebody out there who thinks Mark McGuire should be in the Hall of Fame, I'd love to hear your points and what you think on it. The number here is 432-3893. I mean, he did have great numbers. He broke Roger Maris's record for the time being. I'll, I'll accept that, but I just think that there should be an asterisk <clears throat> next to him, along with Barry Bonds. You know, in uh, 1988, it was the Bash Brothers of the Oakland A's, Mark McGuire, Jose Canseco. McGuire was a, was a rookie. He set the rookie record for most home runs, 43, and he was as skinny as a twig. If you rem- ever remember seeing him in his rookie season. When his neck was normal. Yeah, 43 home runs in that kind of frame. It just, you know, the the rising popularity of steroids, he sees guys around him taking it. He sees home run numbers going up, and he's just, what was it, 94? He said 94 he began taking it, so that was after the lockout, the MLB That's what his brother, estranged brother said, was in 94. And I think it's really, there's an argument now between Jose Canseco and this guy, Jay McGuire, his estranged brother, as to who injected him first. I could say they're trying to be the claim to fame of who injected Mark McGuire with steroids first. Granted, he hasn't been proven of anything. I don't want to jump to conclusions too much. Innocent until proven mm. guilty and all of that. But there, there's news about Jose Canseco, too, if you've heard about that. No? What? what do you mean? <laughs> um, this is just off topic, but Jose Canseco had a celebrity boxing match in, uh, I forgot what city it was, maybe Atlantic City. Uh, a celebrity boxing match with Danny Bonaducci. <laughs> with Danny Bonaducci, yeah. And Danny Bonaducci is about over a foot shorter, and they went the distance, and it was a draw. Even if, as Canseco is more than a foot taller than him, and they went to a, a draw. I mean, Bonaducci is a scrappy little guy, but <laughs> apparently, jeez, that's that's uh, pretty ridiculous. There looks like we do have a caller. Somebody called in. We'll take that. Hey, caller, what's going on? What's your name? Hey, my name is Dave. How are you guys doing tonight? Good, good. Good. Uh, just a, a quick argument uh, for uh, McGuire in the Hall of Fame. Okay. I, I would uh, say that every player who plays is uh, playing against the guys in his era. That's obvious. 
But, uh, for instance, Dave Ruth, uh, you hear the guy like to um, take some drinks, probably before games, certainly after games, and all other times. And uh, who knows, you know, how much better that made him play. Whereas today, I don't think uh, if you drink alcohol, you can play a game. But it might have loosened him up, might have made his swing a little better. Uh, and maybe other guys in his era were doing it as well. And right. when Roger Maris was playing, uh, there wasn't all the scrutiny that we have now. And, you know, the guys in that era might have been doing stuff that uh, we're completely unaware of. So the guys that McGuire was playing against, uh, they were probably taking steroids too. So I would say that the, the pitchers that he faced were probably better than the uh, pitchers that Maris faced and uh, Ruth faced. So, you know, if it's kind of a level playing field where the guys you're playing against are doing the same thing that you're doing uh, and you put up the numbers to have a Hall of Fame career, then uh, I think maybe you should get in. Kind of a Lance Armstrong <clears throat> argument where if everybody else is doing it and you're beating them, you're still still the best. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's one argument. I'm not sure it's the best. All right, well, well thank you very for much call. for your opinion there, Dave. You're welcome. Yep. You know, and going off what Dave said, I think... Mark McGuire, he did not get a lot to hit that year, too, when he had 70 home runs. So he had to be really patient at the plate. He had a lot of walks, and it's, you know, the pitchers were trying to avoid him. They weren't giving him anything to hit, and he still managed to hit 70 home runs. So the one pitch, the one mistake, he ended up hitting out every time. So, you know, that is not going to do that for you. I agree he had great, he was a very good hitter in general. Just the power numbers and everything like that. And I have a tough time with the argument of the different eras because everything does change so much there. I see what Dave was saying, how it is comparable to your competition. It's tough to say he's better than Roger Maris, he's better than Babe Ruth because of those things, just because it's so hard to tell what would have happened with the evolution of the game in just every aspect. I understand completely what he's saying, but it's still very tough to judge, just in general, to judge players from 10 years ago even until today and I understand I understand exactly where it's coming from I just feel that it, it's definitely illegal what Mark McGuire was doing drinking necessarily wasn't illegal for Babe Ruth you know unfo- unfortunately look at how many players haven't been caught for using steroids who have stopped since this has exactly. become an issue and you know will never be caught but are so guilty and remain you know in the league I, I agree. I think Pudge Rodriguez, there's a reason he lost all that weight. He's a lot smaller. His power numbers went, just dropped dramatically. He hit like seven home runs one season where he was always a 30-home run guy. That doesn't happen over time. Juan Gonzalez. Brett Boone. He was not even in the league. He was an all-star. All of a sudden, they start cracking down on testing. Where'd he go? Gone. Second baseman shouldn't be hitting that many home runs in that time. But... That's. I mean, we'll get more into baseball as the season cranks up. We're about to get to the pitchers and catchers reporting here soon. We'll Two move weeks. on. Talk some men's basketball here. We we touched on it briefly earlier. We had just just an ugly game back on Wednesday against Northwestern at home. I mean, we played horribly. We we just couldn't handle that one three one zone that Northwestern ran. And I don't know why. It's not like it was a surprise. Everybody knows that that's what Northwestern runs. It's on the tape, but somehow our guards could not handle it. Kalen Lucas had six turnovers. Six turnovers for the guy who was number two at the time in assist-to-turnover ratio. Levance Fields was from Pittsburgh was just ahead of him. But 
six turnovers for him. Granted, he still scored, I think, 20 points, something like that. I don't know. Yeah, 20 points. But then Chris Allen just looked terrible. Seven turnovers was one for 11 shooting. One for 11 from arguably our best shooter. The thing that really gets to me, though, 18 turnovers to their seven. They only Northwestern only had seven turnovers. We out-rebounded them by 20 rebounds and still lost 70-63. to 63. Broke our 11-game win streak during the season that we had going. And, of course, like we said, our 28-game <coughs> win streak at home. What, was, what do you take away from that game the most, Pablo? Um, we, first of all, we deserve to lose that game. Unfort- but I, like maybe the whole Spartan basketball team, overlooked Northwestern. Everybody thought, you know, it's Northwestern coming in here. Come on, they haven't won here since 1984. You know, they've never won at the Breslin. Why is it going to be now? We're, we've had our best team since, you know, the final four years. But, you know, you got to give it up to Northwestern. They came here and shut it down, and I think... The more times that the Spartans failed against that zone, the more frantic they got with the ball, the more they were throwing those lob passes, the more they weren't looking for that open man necessarily. They were forcing up shots. And at the end there, you know, they could have still won it in the last two minutes, but they were just moving too fast, and they turned it over. I mean, Kalen Lucas, as fast as he is, he was moving too fast and just got really frantic with the ball and ended up turning it over, losing it, you know, bobbling it. Uh, he ended up losing it in his feet for one of those turnovers with a minute left. So, and Chris Allen, I mean, I want to get to a little transition to this Ohio State game, but I feel like Chris Allen has taken a major step backwards because, you know, up until the Northwestern game, he was our top three-point shooter. He was our go-to three-point shooter. He was our third-leading scorer, averaging 13 points a game. You know, going... 1 for 11 from the field against Northwestern, 0 for 8 from 3-point. And then in practice, I talked to him in between games, you know, in that week, he was shooting it great. I mean, he made 100 out of 123s in practice in 20 minutes. Talking about practice. Yeah. So, you know, watching him, watching him do that, I felt confident that he was going to get a scoring touchback. But he was just gun-shy. He had a couple of open oh, looks. Yeah. That he just did not take, he you know faked it and passed it off, and I think his defense was terrible against Ohio State. I mean he was guarding John Diebler, and Diebler I hit four three pointers. He scored twelve points, all of them off three pointers. Every time Michigan State would tie it or take a little slight lead, Ohio State would answer back with a big three, a big open three. And Michigan State would just get lazy on D. They hit. 10 of Ohio State shot 10 of 20 10 from of 20, three. 50%. And the ones they made, they were very open. They still even missed quite a few open threes. I was having fun. It was an away game. You went down to it. I stayed at home. I was watching it on TV. I actually got to practice some play-by-play there. and I, So I was having fun with that. Made it easy. Ohio State only plays seven guys. Seven guys. They and use their five 10. starters. We played, yeah. And I mean, that's why we won. We kind of wore them down, too. Yeah. And they just didn't have the depth. We ended up winning that game against Ohio State, 78-67. to We were even down 13 at one time. Ohio State came out, and they were running a 3-2 zone, or 1-2-2, however you want to look at it. Of course, they saw what Northwestern zone did to us, so they figured, well, we'll run a zone at them. First half, we were down 20-11 coming out. And, it, I mean, it was just, it was ugly. 
finally, somebody stepped up, and it was Darrell Summers. Kid had six threes, made six threes, six of nine shooting, scored career high twenty six points. <clears throat> well, in that first half, I, I called you at halftime, and I was looking at the box score. We had five guys who each had a basket. You know, each five guys with two points each, and Darrell Summers with sixteen. Yes. And that one three-pointer right at the buzzer to end the half was huge because, you know, I was really hoping that they would use that momentum and carry it into the second half. And they and came they out did. and made the first three baskets and came within two. Brown so, within one. Oh, Brown within one, yeah. yeah. So they came out and scored the next th- the first three baskets of the second half. So And those those rebounds, 16-3 in offensive rebounds. Was huge. It was like forty-seven to twenty or something in, in total rebounds. It wasn't wasn't quite that. It, it, it was thirty-three eighteen is the thir- final. Okay, thirty-three eighteen. Just ridiculous. We've been out rebounding people by so much. That's what's keeping us in these games. And of course, I texted you. I said, "Welcome to the Keenan Lucas show." He finally showed up in the second half. He didn't get the start. Both he and Travis Walton they were out for academic issues. Just didn't start. They played. I don't know what the issue was. Lucas had 20 points all in the second half, really picked up from there, and he he took us to victory. Now, I said we're going to get to all this stuff. We only have 10 minutes left here in the hour. I wish, I mean, tonight's a night. I didn't think we had that much to talk about. Here, we could go for two hours. So we'll try to hurry. There's this little thing on Sunday. It's the Super Bowl. I don't know if many people are interested What's in that. that? Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's only deciding the champion Wait, of the NFL. Wait, there's a Spartan basketball game on Sunday, too. Yeah, well, I Penn think... Penn State. Yeah, that is, Breslin. that is true. Penn State's playing very well. They're the most surprising team in the Big Ten in my mind. They can Illinois make the tournament. Very good. They could very well make Man, the tournament. Man, Shamil Cornley. I was talking to a couple of Spartan players. Just, you know, just... And uh, man, they just said he's an absolute beast. I mean, he's a nightmare to guard against. He's only six four, but he's probably what two forty. Just, just a tank of a man. And he shoots threes. He does everything. He's averaging fifteen point three points per game and six point eight rebounds. Then they've got Taylor Battle, who's averaging eighteen and a half, and uh, Stanley Pringle, who is <clears throat> averaging fourteen point two. And Cornley, he's coming on as of late too. I think in that. MSU game, he had a career high in points. Since then, he's just been on fire. So if you look at his averages in the last maybe five games alone, he's just putting up some incredible numbers. Yeah, it's they are they are on a roll. And of course, we play Iowa coming up on Thursday at Iowa. Iowa's kind of struggling. They're a very, very young team. They have their senior forward, uh, Cyrus Tate. He's He could play... He's missed the last four games with an ankle injury there. Uh, second leading scorer is out for the rest of the season. Academic issues there. We've lost the last two times at Iowa. Scored 36 And points. you know what? Cyrus Tate has been a, a thorn in, in the Spartans' side in those games. Cyrus Tate was just dominant, and it might help if he wasn't playing. But, you know, a guy, David Palmer, stepping up for them, too, inside in Cyrus Tate's absence. We're going to roll through things pretty quickly here. I made the claim we're going to get to hockey and NBA. The big finish. I know, the big finish here. We've got eight minutes left. Shoot. We'll go Super Bowl. Mentioned it earlier. Pittsburgh beat Seattle back in Super Bowl 40 in Detroit. It was uh, 21-10. Ben Roethlisberger went 9 for 21 for 123 yards, two interceptions. Not a good game. Arguably the worst game by a starting quarterback in the Super Bowl ever. They won. 
Willie Parker rushed for 93 yards on 10 carries, and he had a 75-yard touchdown run. Heinz Ward was the MVP that year, had five catches for 123 yards and a touchdown. Okay, so we've got that. That was not that long ago, I think three years ago. St. Louis beat Tennessee. I know, you're a Rams fan, I know. In Super Bowl, uh, let's see, Roman numerals, that'd be 34. Kurt Warner was 24-45 for 414 yards, two touchdowns. He was the MVP. Who are you taking in this Super Bowl? Just just straight up Cardinals. We'll go straight up Cardinals versus Steelers first. We'll say, who are you picking? It's tough. It's tough. Um, I'm going to go with the Steelers. Oh! Oh! Ouch! All right, I'm going Cardinals. I've picked against them the whole time. I'm going. I'm going with the trusty quarterback Kurt Warner over Ben Roethlisberger. Now I'll, we'll just stick with your. You're going Steelers. I'm going Cardinals. Who's your MVP of the game? Mm. Come on, big finish Man. here, Pablo. It's gonna be a guy on defense. Okay, Troy Polamalu. Oh, I figured you'd go that. I'm going. I'm going to surprise pick. Most people will say Larry Fitzgerald. Good pick. Kurt Warner. Good pick. Solid. I'm going Tim Steve. Hightower. No, no, no. Steve Breston. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's right. Steve Breston. <laughs> if Steve Breston is the MVP, then Anquan Bolden's just going to walk out the door. Out that's the back true. He of probably the stadium. will. I'm kind of counting on that. I'm <clears throat> counting that Bolden's going to get pretty <clears throat> upset and take himself out of the game. Breston catches a touchdown pass. He's their third, <clears throat> third receiver. He's been doing well out there. And he's their return man. He pulls a... Desmond Howard gets a return for a touchdown. Breaks the game open that way. In my argument, I think Troy Palomalu picks off Kurt Warner, takes it back for a touchdown like he did last week. Steve Breston makes the game-saving tackle. <laughs> Strips him at the goal line, Don Beebe style. Troy Palomalu makes the game-winning stiff arm to see Breston <laughs> and goes into the end zone. <laughs> How about that? That's a, that's a gutsy call there. I, I like your pick. I mean, impact players all over the place on that field. Now we'll move on. I said we'd get to <clears throat> hockey. All-star game. Last night, the East won in a shootout. Uh, who was it that scored? Ovechkin yep. and Alexei Kovalev. Kovalev. He, Kovalev was the MVP. Now, two Red Wings, Pavel Datsyuk and Nicholas Lidstrom. They were both named starters. Yeah, yeah very funny, Pavel. You're, remember, you're in Michigan. <laughs> now, uh, they were named starters. They got nicked up in their last game. They decided not to play in the All-Star game, decided not to go. So now Gary Bettman, the uh, president of the NHL, or the I'm not sure exactly what his title is. I'll go with that. He's now suspended them for a game afterwards, saying if you're going to miss All-Star weekend, you have to sit out either the game before because of an injury or the game after. No Red Wings are there. What do you think about that? Uh, I, I see both sides to it. It's such a tough thing because if you you always look for look forward to the All Star break. You know, if you're not going to play in the game, you go on vacation with your family for a few days. You go, you know, take advantage of that. And this year, it's like five days, five or six days. But on the other side, it's ridiculous in the fact that they, ha- in order for them to not be suspended for missing the All Star game. They have to have missed their last game of the season, their last game before the All Star break. So uh, Sidney Crosby, he played in his last game. He missed the five before that. He still showed up, you know, and he kind of looked miserable. He wasn't really having all that much fun because he wasn't on the ice participating in everything. So 
I, I just don't know. Uh, you know, there's so much media, there's so much sponsorship that that's who can list from should have shown up and, you know, made their statements. And a lot of people go to this All-Star game, a lot of children, you know, and they want to see all the stars. And obviously the, the fans voted them in and they wanted to see them. Uh, yeah, I agree. And the other reason, the backups, uh, Marion Hosa, Henrik Zetterberg, Brian Rafalski, they asked them to all go, but they had already made plans, like you were saying, to go on vacation with their families. So that's the reason. Now they have to sit out, um, I think, on Tuesday, tomorrow against They're the actually going to appeal it. They said that they're going to appeal it, and so that's going to buy them a couple more, some more time. Sticking with hockey, MSU hockey, we lost two games over the weekend to Michigan. We've lost all five this season to U of M. We're now 7-17-3 on the season. The end of the game got really chippy. Um, I saw a guy got, trap. Yeah, a guy got from Michigan kind of got punched from behind a little bit, got knocked down. As he's on the ice, uh, forward for Michigan State, Corey Trapp came by and what he slashed him in the head, essentially took his stick to the helmet. I, I didn't see the play. I didn't either. But He's thrown out and suspended automatically two games. Yes, he's been disqualified. It's terrible to see that happen. Michigan State's had a, just a rough season. And to add that to it, I know Michigan's a huge rival, but to let a game come to that, and Alan and I were talking about this, and Alan was a former hockey player. He said, so am I. There's, right, there's just no time when it's acceptable to use your stick as a weapon. Just, just no time when that's by any means acceptable. And look at the kind of penalties set down by the NHL for stick penalties. Marty McSorley, uh, Donald Brashear. There's even been assault charges off the ice, like police. For Todd Bertuzzi. Yeah. Exactly. And it's just terrible to see a game come to that. I mean, the season is, I, I don't want to say it's a waste, but the season is not going well. And then to add that to it, it's just uncalled for, no matter what. The women's basketball team here at Michigan State, they've righted their ship. They've won five in a row in the Big Ten. They're now third in the Big Ten, seven and two overall, 14, or seven and two in the Big Ten, 14 and six overall. Now, with basketball, we've got the, the starting lineups for the All Star game. NBA All-Star Game were announced. Allen Iverson is starting, Pistons guard. For the East, Dwayne Wade joins him, LeBron James, Kevin Garnett, and Dwight Howard. All fantastic players there. On the West, you have Kobe, Chris Paul, Tim Duncan, Amari Stoudemire, Yao Ming. How do you feel about those, Pablo? Wow. Um, I, I don't know. I have no idea. I like I like uh, the West. No, we, no. we still don't know the bench yet. I, no, I like the East, actually. Sorry. I like the East because of Dwight Howard. Okay. I actually have I haven't been in a lot into the NBA because St. Louis never had an NBA team, so I never grew up watching the NBA. But the few games that I've seen this year, I've just been impressed with the Magic, the Orlando Magic, and I love Dwight Howard. He's a beast. Yeah. He's just the most athletic and big he's man so I've humble ever seen. about it too. I love the way he carries himself on the court, um, the way they went into LA and beat them. Beat the beat the Lakers at the Staples Center. I mean, him and Jameer Nelson just took over that game. Now, and another thing, the Celtics, they're back on a roll. They are back playing the way they were to start the season. They started off on record pace, lost a few games, didn't look very good. They're back to number one in the power rankings. Kevin Garnett just looks amazing. I love watching him play. He's just such a smooth player. He plays every part of the game. But the player, okay, who's your MVP right now? Wow, Dwight Howard? Oh, wow. See, I'm going to go LeBron James. If I could split it between LeBron and Kobe, I would. Because both of them, they're amazing players. I love watching them play. But, I mean, 
it it should be a great second it half of the season. It should be a three-way co-MVP because Dwight, like the Magic, Lakers, and and Cavs are just fighting back and forth for That's the true. you know the best team, best record overall in the Throwing league. Throw the Celtics in there, and yeah. Dwayne Wade's having a great season also. There's a huge game Wednesday night. We have Duke and Wake Forest playing. Number one and number two, no, number no, four. three, number four, close enough. Depends on where you look. Duke's the new number one. Should be a great game. We've got. Big things coming up with Michigan State men's basketball and women's basketball. Got gymnastics and wrestling going on. Big game on Monday, Blues at Red Wings. And Pavel. maybe Datsuk and Lustrum will lose their appeal and will be out for that game. Well, Pavel will be there with his date. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Thanks to Dave for calling in. Tune back in next week as we recap what happened. Take care, everybody. You've been listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Tune in every week for more of the greatest sports information, news, and analysis. Here and only here on Impact 89FM.